This podcast is brought to you by You're the Best, a celebration of friendship, a collection of essays on the power of female friendships by the Satellite Sisters. Tell your Satellite Sister that she's the best for her birthday or her shower or her wedding day or just because she's the best. The book is available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Thanks. You're the best. You are listening to Pole Dark and Handsome. This is the Satellite Sisters recap podcast of the PBS drama Pole Dark. We're going to be talking about episode two of season two today. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I'm with my sister, Julie Dolan, who's in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, we are sisters who watch TV. Would that be correct to say? It's my full-time job, Leanne. I can do it. I barely can uh, fix a meal or do anything else because I am just watching TV for you and for, for all that are listening. Yeah, we do regular podcast satellite sisters that we've been doing for a long time. And we do other TV recaps. Apparently, though, everything we need to do, watch and talk about is going to happen at Sunday night at nine o'clock now. What is that? Now the shows are up against each other, Paul Dark and Madam Secretary. It's wreaking some havoc with my DVR. I mean, fortunately, I've, I learned how to use my DVR. That is a fortunate, fortunately. I mean, it forced me uh, to adopt that technology. I really didn't uh, care to, but now I have to record shows. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I understand you can also stream Pole Dark on Amazon Prime. So that's also good. And it's a PBS website. So there are plenty of places to watch Pole Dark. And I feel like we have turned some people on to Pole Dark because it's not exactly the sexiest title, Pole Dark. <laughs> In fact, I told you, my husband said, what time is podunk on? That's what he wanted to know. Podunk. <laughs> it is a hard word, pole dark, okay? It just doesn't trip off your, your, your lips or your tongue there. No, last week I was posting the episode recap and it kept auto-correcting to polder, which is not a word either. Like, what is that? <laughs> So the episode title looks like Polder, and I, it was just very difficult, very difficult to change. But anyway, we are here, season two, episode two, and Julie, this show was full of a lot of ruses, okay? That seems uh-huh. like an 18th century word. First of all, people were faking sick cows, right? Cows weren't really sick. They weren't sick Who at all. Who would do that? Who would fake a sick cow? But that, that happened this episode. People were faking the putrid throat, okay? That's new character Caroline pretending she had the putrid throat to get Dr. Ennis's <laughs> attention. What was that all about? And then the ultimate fake out, uh, we thought Mr. Drunk was dead. Oh, <gasps> wasn't that shocking? Oh my God, they killed Mr. Drunk. And then guess what? Not dead, just totally drunk. <laughs> that was shocking. The whole part, being dead and then being undead. So we had many ruses happening. And then in a moment of stark reality near the end of the episode, what the what, Ross Poldark? Why did he almost make out with Elizabeth again? What was that about, Julie? I don't Julie? know. I mean, he had too much to drink. That's for sure. I mean, I I, I just, I, I could barely watch that. It was like a roller coaster of an episode, Leanne. It started slow and parts of it were a little, like went off track. But then the end, it was up and down. Uh, so it was quite a finish. Yeah. In, in what last week Ross escaped going to prison and we all escaped a dreary season of Ross in prison. Oh, thank you God for that. Uh, and he was charged with many, many crimes, convicted of none. 
came back to his, you know, ancestral home, which is just in a shambles. And he has absolutely no money. And he's Mm -hmm. taken out all these high risk loans to save the mine where he's convinced there's one more line of what are they mining copper out of that thing? Copper. He's hoping to get copper. Okay. All right. But in the meantime, the high risk loan is called. And basically he and Demelda, Demelza have to sell every single thing they own, like down to the last chicken to pay off this debt. And what thanks does our favorite scullery maid get? Nothing. Julie, she gets the silent treatment from her husband. She gets insults from Elizabeth's snobby mother. And Ross nearly makes out with his cousin. I mean, what is that? I just, poor Demelza. I thought she was a real trooper. She was, she just rolled up the sleeves of her peasant blouse there and, and went about selling everything she owned and did not complain. Okay. She and she's pregnant. She hasn't even told Ross that yet. She probably no. feels terrible. Even though she looks gorgeous in every single art-directed dress they have yes. her in now. Yes, she's, she does look outstanding. She, she is a match uh, to, uh, to Elizabeth. I mean, she got, I mean, Elizabeth is beautiful, but so is Demelza. Yeah, yeah. And every single dress they put her in this season just is like that burnt sienna that shows <laughs> off her red hair and pale skin. Even though she's constantly walking in the sunshine, like on the beach, she's <laughs> the palest skin. Know how that yeah, she does. No sunburns for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Then the other major storyline, you know, Francis, who last week tried to commit suicide and couldn't even do it. Now, all of a sudden, he has just sprung back to life. He is. It's inexplicable, Leon. I mean, is he on medication? <laughs> is he taking some potion from granny? Because he is now Mr. Nice Guy, and yeah. he's just rejoined the human race, and he's enjoying time with his son. He's He really went all out for that Harvest homecoming dance they they had there. So Yeah, that was like a cross between Witness and Little House on the Prairie, you know? What was that? That was sort of a sad little event, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of sad. All right. So we have that storyline. And then we always have in the background, George the Weasel, who is trying, you know, to destroy Ross Poldark and to get his mine and to get whatever copper there may be. And, uh, and to get even with Mr. Drunk who turned, uh, who turned against him on the, on the witness stand and actually spoke up for Ross. So there's that whole storyline. And we start with very wistful violin music, which was quite mm-hmm. lovely. And, yes, then, and then we see George the Weasel doing that fighting. What is that? Like fake fist fighting. <laughs> that looks know. so stupid, doesn't it? It really did. It, it was uh, it was not convincing. And uh, yeah, he should stop that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's it's in not- the tight britches and he's got his little fists up. It, it's not working. Yeah. So we learn during the fist fight scene that George is now essentially the secret shareholder in Ross's con- company. So you know this is going to go poorly. And Ross refuses to talk to Demelza. Why do you think that is? Why is he so so nasty to her? Do you think it's the overwhelming worry about the debt, Julie? I guess it must just be the finances that he's worried about, and he doesn't want to burden his his beautiful wife with that. But it's not really working so well because he's just moody. He seems ungrateful. I mean, Demel, Demelza, 
Demelza, uh, she did try to save him. She rallied all the troops to show up at his trial and everything. And he could be a little more grateful. So I don't get that. But, you know, if you got money worries, Leanne, it, it's, a, it's a rough road. It, uh, it, is, it does overcome you. So Ross goes off to the shareholders meeting and he's trying to rally the troops and, like, make one more high-risk investment. But then we have the accountant we know now is the – George the Weasel's accountant is there. And he, of course, votes against that. And you can tell that that's going to be a storyline that we're going to uh, see all season long as, you know, they chip and chip and chip away at Ross's business. In the meantime, uh, handsome Captain O'Neill shows up <laughs> while Demelza is uh, gathering driftwood, which that's a hobby I should take up, gathering <laughs> driftwood, I think. <laughs> That'd be nice, Lynn. You could have a little stand by the side of the road. Just, you know, some driftwood. People yeah. like driftwood, Leanne. Yeah. yeah it, Captain O'Neill, looks- yes. We were, were rooting for the Redcoats, which is an odd position for two American sisters yeah. uh, to be rooting for the Redcoat. But, yeah. but I'm a little in- worried because he seems like he really, you know, he really has his eyes for, um, for you know, for Ross's wife there. Right. There is there is some some... Yeah, there's some, you know, he's eyeing her. He's eyeing her in a different way. That's inappropriate, even though he's like Ross's former, you know, soldier mate. And Mm -hmm. uh, he comes over and uses the sick cow ruse. Oh, this old guy has a sick cow. He wants to see you. And uh, and when Ross comes back, he just gives the two of them the cold shoulder. And then there's a pretty good fight. I liked when Demelza went marching off like she was some kind of angry wrestler, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's good. It's good. All right. So, uh, but when she comes back uh, with the, the old guy with the sick cow makes the moves on her in the, you know, in the hay field there. I and know that was, he was like pushing her into the bushes. I was, come on, mister. And I like the fact cute. that Melissa was like, Hey dude, where are your manners? Like she wasn't <laughs> offended. Like Elizabeth might be like, Oh, I'm going to faint. She was yeah. really, you know, the farmer's daughter, like, Hey dude, back off. And mm-hmm. uh, the red coat came to her rescue. And when she goes back to Ross, they do have this kind of makeup session. And he says, it's the money. We're broke. And then they load like every single thing they own in that wagon. I mean, they sell everything in like, in like, what was it? Like seven minutes. I know. And there were some beautiful pewter plates and <laughs> pictures. Did you see that? Yeah. There were some bargains to be had. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, they would have, they, if they went on antique roadshow with that stuff, they would have done very well. So, uh, he would have definitely have had the money he needed for the mine, but she, I mean, just, you know, she, they just were very tough about it. They knew what they had to do. No tears, just got rid of the stuff. That's right. She doesn't, she doesn't need any of those carpets in that cold draft, <laughs> drafty cottage on on the moors or wherever it is, on the cliffs. She, she doesn't care. Uh, in the meantime, we have a sec- separate scene where Mr. Drunk, who actually seems sort of sober for most of the mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be his problem, Leanne. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he's confronted by George the Weasel's men. They, they want to get paid back for the fact that he turned on them on the stand. And they beat the heck out of him. It and- was a violent attack, Leanne. Very violent. Yeah. And that's when Ross puts it all together that everything bad that's happened to him is George's fault. <laughs> right? 
Good thinking, and, Ross. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, Ross. Yeah, way to go. And uh, and he realizes that he's playing right into George the Weasel's hand by refusing to speak to his cousin Francis. And so he decides to mend the rift from Francis. So even though Mr. Drunk is dead and, you know, they're they're waking him, he's, lay, he's all laid out in his muslin shirt and they're saying nice things to, about him. They go off to the Harvest Festival uh, at Elizabeth and Francis's house, where they do just a, almost an embarrassing little dance, don't they, Julie? <laughs> yes, that they do. Wheat? But I that? did love the beautiful scything scenes outside, and you know that everybody that was working in the fields that was looked so picturesque. It was so, so beautiful cinematography during this episode. Uh, that was really pretty. And uh, but yes, the Harvest dancing was uh, they it was just kind of weak, clean, right? Yeah, and we get the we get a classic cinematic contrast. We have the Harvest Festival at Francis's house. We have the fancy pants party at George's house, where the politicos are maneuvering things, and the people with money are all there. And Caroline is there with her fake putrid throat, trying to lure in Doctor Ennis, and her political fop fiance is there. And then you get Mister and the Mrs. Drunk hosting the wake for her husband. So we keep cutting back and forth between these three like gatherings of the good people of Cornwall. And ultimately what happens is Mr. Drunk miraculously springs back to life. <laughs> I didn't even really understand. How did that happen? I mean, I'm that no was doctor, so but... shocking, Leanne. I just, I mean, that was part of this roller coaster episode, Leanne. Just, that was really a left turn. Did not see that coming. And there he was. He's, he's alive. And he was not too happy with Mrs. Drunk either. He really felt like she she had gone overboard for his wake, which is sort of an odd, odd thing to say when you come back, uh, back to life. But there he is, Mr. and Mrs. Drunk. They're alive. They're back together. They'll be doing some more drinking. And then Caroline uh, in the red dress, uh, she doesn't have the putrid throat, which is, of course, diphtheria. She has instead a fishbone stuck in her throat and handsome Dr. Ennis pulls it out and this is yes, clearly a no, well, absolutely no sterilization, no no equipment or tools, no plastic gloves. He just has some tweezers or something, and he goes into her mouth and like pulls out pulls out a giant fishbone. You don't think she would have been able to tell that was a fishbone? I don't know. I don't know. Well, but maybe because the other doctor tried to put leeches on her. You know, she was a little traumatized. Like that seems. I mean, that is disgusting. The fact that people used to bleed themselves. That, I, okay. I can't good, even. good point, Leanne. Good point. I can't even. Okay. So. And meanwhile, back in Francis's house, there's a lot of beverages being consumed. Ross maybe has a few too many. And he kind of has this moment with Elizabeth where it looks like something could happen. And of course, our girl Demelza is at the door listening. listening to all of this. I know. I was screaming at the television set, Ross, what's some? Don't do it. Don't do it. He was moving in for the big kiss, Leanne. But Elizabeth wouldn't have anything up about this. No. I mean, she, you know, she was like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm with Francis and you, you and I are not together. And so she at least had some boundaries given that, um, Ross did not. Yeah. So that was good. And then, uh, I thought there was going to be a giant, you know, fight scene, but it turns out, you know, Demelza just, she's a tough girl, that Demelza. And, yes. uh, she explains to Ross that she's pregnant and there is, you know, some, some joy, would you say a little bit of joy? 
A little bit of joy. I mean, yes. I mean, I think he, you know, he said that this is a new life and he wants to do everything. You know, it's one thing to talk about an idea. You can reject an idea, but you cannot reject life. So that was nice. So even though they don't have like one pewter platter to eat dinner on, (laughs) they're going to have a baby in that drafty cottage with no carpets. (laughs) She better start knitting right away. All right. So there was a lot of business that happened in this one. It wasn't a super exciting episode, but it was beautiful to look at. The family rift has been mended. Ross knows Demelza is pregnant now. You know, we clearly have set up George the Weasel as someone who's going to continue to be um, a gadfly in the side of uh, the Poldark family. And then you have this burgeoning romance between Dr. Ennis and newcomer Caroline, even though she's sort of engaged to this other guy. So all all's looking good for next week, Julie. All's looking good for I, next week. I, it looks like okay. there's a rescue at sea next week. <laughs> Well, that would be, that's exciting. Favorite line of the week. Uh, and I'm not at this point in my notes, I'm not certain whose bosoms there were, they were referring to, but when they said the bosoms were uh, the fashion, I think it was granny who said the fashion. Now it's as if there were bosoms like capons on a platter. <laughs> that Did you was remember good. That? Yeah, yeah. That was Elizabeth snobby mother. When they did oh, yeah, that kind of right. Jane Austen separation of the sexes there and the men went off to drink and oh, oh, oh. and poor Demelza is like trapped in a room with Elizabeth, Elizabeth's snobby mother and crazy granny, crazy granny. And, yeah. Elizabeth's before she put down Demelza, she did have a funny line about yeah. bosoms looking like capons on a platter. That's, that was a nice line. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a good line. Very, very evocative. All right. So next week we have a rescue at sea. You know, I think there's going to be more copper mining and the, the pole darks are going to have to find something to eat dinner on. So, <laughs> Yes, Liam, they are. All right. Any, any other notes from this episode? I think that covers it, Leanne. Uh, I think I, but I, I like the, I like the romance or the, the sort of hot and cold uh, romance going on between Dr. Ennis and Caroline. Yeah. And I think it's going to heat up next week. Yeah. Good. That's I'll a good one. It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. I'm Leanne Dolan. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan. We're the Satellite Sisters. For more Satellite Sister podcasts or to hear our Madam Secretary recap podcast, you can go to iTunes and uh, find everything there. We also, you can also visit SatelliteSisters.com or join our Facebook page. Also, please stay tuned at the end of this podcast. We're going to tell you a story about Cooper. Why? Because in the month of October, the Satellite Sisters are partnering with the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. We want to raise awareness for the incredible work that this network of 170 hospitals do. We also want to collect messages, hear your stories of families and kids that have been helped by Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And yes, we want to raise some funds. And we'd love the Satellite Sisterhood to join us. So stay tuned and listen to the story about Cooper and then give what you can. Thanks so much, Satellite Sisterhood. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. I'm Liz Dolan, here with my sisters, Leon Dolan and Julie Dolan. We are the Satellite Sisters, and we want to tell you a story about Cooper and Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. 
Cooper lives in Minnesota. He suffers from an incurable neurological disorder called dystonia. I've never heard of it before, but it causes Cooper's body to twist and shake uncontrollably. Simple tasks like tying his shoes or eating a bowl of cereal become really difficult and frustrating. And you can imagine his family has tried everything, medications, physical therapy, even Botox injections, but things got worse, not better. Finally, with the help of Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare, part of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, Cooper got the chance to try an advanced treatment that really did help. Cooper underwent a rare and complicated deep brain stimulation surgery. That's DBS for short. Maybe you've heard of it. A medical device was implanted under his chest to help him control movements through electronic signals to the brain. Gillette Children's Hospital is one of the few in the U.S. that can even perform this complex surgery. Today, Cooper can pour a glass of milk, brush his teeth, tie his own shoes, and the thing he loves to do more than anything else, fish with his dad. Why are we telling you this story? Because we want you to help us create more Coopers, more kids who have gotten the kinds of help that has so dramatically improved Cooper's life. Children's Miracle Network hospitals can do this. They have 170 member hospitals that provide 32 million treatments each year to kids across the U.S. and Canada. One in 10 kids in North America is treated by a CMN hospital each year. Maybe you know one. Cooper receives care from rehabilitation, neurology, and neurosurgery specialists at Gillette's Complex Movement Disorders Clinic. All of this with help from CMN Hospital's donations. So here's what we want you to do, Satellite Sisterhood. We want you to go to our special URL and donate what you can. And here's that URL, cmnh.co forward slash sisters cmnh.co forward slash sisters and we encourage you to do that maybe you know a kid or a family who's been helped by a cmn hospital tell us that story again the special url is cmnh.co forward slash sisters and that's a dot co not dot com we've also posted the link at our website satellitesisters.com on the satellite sisters facebook group page and on twitter All this month, we'll be rallying the whole Satellite Sister community, asking for your donations and telling you more stories on our podcast of kids who have been helped by Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Please put your money where the miracles are. Thanks. You're the best.